This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Why do we got to talk about work on Sunday? <laughs> like I get a couple of days off. Surely just let me not think about work on Sunday. Isn't anything sacred about the Lord's Day? It's my prayer that this sermon series is going to, for some of you, transform the whole way you think about work, the whole way you approach work. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2. If you're just jumping in with us today, we kicked off a sermon series last week called Work. And just a refresher as you're turning to Genesis, I said 2, but Genesis 3 is where we're going to be, Genesis chapter 3. And if you're just jumping in with us today, I want to refresh where, we've, where we were last week. And what we saw last week is that God works and God made us to be workers and that Jesus works. We saw that God's creation was him working, that that's what the biblical authors uh, describe creation as, is God is working and then he rested from his work and that indeed he made us to work. He put us uh, in the garden, Adam and Eve, he put humanity in the garden to subdue it and take dominion over it. Over it. Now those are kind of you know, weird words for modern day language. Most of you don't use subdue you know, in your weekly conversations. What does that mean? That means God expected Adam and Eve to crush their work. And so what we said is like often you'll look back at something that you've done or something that a coworker has done or something that a friend has done or something that an athlete that you're cheering for has done and you would say they crushed it. In other words, they, they brought their expertise to bear on something and they brought order and beauty with their expertise to something and they took dominion of it. They, they brought order out of chaos. They brought, they brought beauty out of disorder. They brought beauty out of the mess. With their God-given talent and their God-given energy and their God-given ability, they subdued the work that was in their hands. They took dominion over it. And we like to say they crushed it. <laughs> so this is what we looked at last week. And here was the conclusion last week. If you didn't get to hear it, go back on the podcast and listen to it. But it was this simple conclusion, work is good. Now that may sound really elementary and oversimplistic to you. But it's important that we start there because for many of us, our experience with work is not good. I told the story last week about how I was running late. I woke up late. I was supposed to open Starbucks at 4.30 when I was in seminary and I was running late. And... I'm driving really fast because I'm running late and I get pulled over and I don't remember if I got a ticket because my supervisor chewed me out and cussed me up and down, left and right, for about 15 minutes straight. That was work for me. And for some of you, that's work for you. So when you hear last week's sermon that work is good, there's, 
There's conflict in your soul because your experience with work is not good. I, I do want to submit to you this morning that one of the great challenges for the Christian is to allow the word of God to be their authority and not their experience. Let me just say that again. One of the great challenges for the Christian is to allow the sacred scriptures, God's holy word, to be the authority for our lives and not our experience. For some of you, you love your job, you have a great job, you just got promoted, you get paid more than you think you ought to get paid. Does anybody feel that way? Okay, yeah, okay, we got somebody in the back. Hallelujah, all one of you. Um, but for many of us, our experience with work has been consistently not good. So if we see in the book of beginnings, when God is laying the foundation for all that he is doing in the world, the book of Genesis, as we see that work is declared by God to be good, the chief worker himself and the son of God himself is a carpenter giving dignity to work, giving significance to work. As we see that all of work is indeed sacred, then why is it so frustrating? When God had a complete blank slate, knowing endless possibilities for humanity, in his infinite creative brilliance, he created man in his own image as the pinnacle of his creation and made him a worker. I want to say that again because I don't want this to be lost on you. It's easy to gloss over scriptures that we're familiar with and not absorb the, weight, the weighty meaning behind it. When God had a completely blank slate, knowing endless possibilities for humanity, in his infinite creative brilliance, he created man in his own image, male and female, he created man in his own image as the pinnacle of his creation, and he made them workers. There is much to consider here, but this morning the question is just simply this. If work is good, then why is it so doggone frustrating for so many of us? Gallup's State of the World Workplace 2023 report found that the majority of the world's employees are quiet quitting. If you're not familiar with that phrase, six out of 10 workers are quietly quitting and quiet quitting happens when someone psychologically disengages from work. They may be physically present or logged in on their computer, but they don't know what to do or why it matters. They also don't have any supportive bonds with their coworkers or their boss or their organization. And it leads to quiet quitting. I'm present, I'm here, I'm logged in, but I'm not really engaged. I'm actually disconnected. The Gallup State of the World Workplace 2023 report found that employee stress remained at an all-time high. 44% said they experienced stress a lot of the day yesterday. When surveyed, 
They said, I experienced stress a lot of the day yesterday. How was Friday for you? How was last week for you? How was last year for you? And this report found that over half of employees are actively or passively job seeking. That'll fire up all the bosses in the room, won't it? The Wall Street Journal uh, had this article, and, uh, and I've got a picture of it just because I thought you would appreciate this picture here. Um, the title of the article is, Why is Everyone So Unhappy at Work Right Now? Anybody feel like that? You're, you go to work, and your head's just on fire with stress, with anger, with sadness. Going back to the previous slide, look at this. In the U.S. specifically, 50% of workers reported feeling stressed at their jobs on a daily basis. 41% is being worried. 22% is sad. And 18% angry. So the Wall Street Journal asks, why is everyone so unhappy at work? And of course, the article gives its ideas about why everyone is so unhappy at work. You look at the COVID reality. You look at the disconnect between bosses and employees. You look at the low pay raise, raise, uh, wages. You look at inflation. There's all kinds of reasons that we could point to as to why people are unhappy at work. But wouldn't it be a good idea to see if the Bible has anything to say about why we're so frustrated at work? Could it be that God, who created the universe and upholds the universe by the word of his power, as the author of Hebrews says, could it be that the infinitely wise God that made us and made work actually has an insight as to why we might be unhappy in our work? I think, it, I think probably so. So in Genesis 3, we begin to see why are so many of us so frustrated and so unhappy with work that God said is good. To be clear, I want to make a distinction. What I'm arguing for is that work in the general, generic sense is good. You may have a job that is not good for a variety of reasons, as we'll see in the text this morning. So we're going to read a significant portion of text. I think you guys are good for it this morning, all right? If you feel like you get a little sleepy, you know, that's why we got coffee, all right? Genesis chapter 3, pick it up in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, 
she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Verse 14. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. Or some versions say your desire shall be for your husband. But he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam... And for his wife, garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and also take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden, out of the garden of Eden, to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim in a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 16 with me. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain, his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? 
And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord God said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a, fu a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Let's pray together. Father, speak to us now through your scriptures. Give us insight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if work is good, why is it so frustrating to so many of us? The first thing that we see that maybe you've considered and maybe you haven't is found in verse 16 is that God cursed the work partnership between husband and wife. Look at verse 16 with me. And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. God had put Adam in the garden to work it. He created Eve to be a helper to Adam in the work that he entrusted to him. It was a dynamic partnership that was blessed from the beginning. It had the touch of God. It had the design of God. It had the, the harmony of, of God. It had the, the shalom and the peace of God upon it. This work partnership. And now that sin had entered into the world, both through Adam and Eve's decision, God cursed the work partnership between Adam and Eve. He said what was divine, what was harmonious, what was undefiled will now be strained. Every married couple knows this strain. How does, how does he word it? Look back at verse 16 with me again. He says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Every woman who ever gives birth, as she's experiencing the pain of childbearing, it should cause her to hate sin. Because that's where the pain came from. Your desire, look at this, your desire shall be contrary to your husband before sin it was aligned with your husband the work partnership of Adam and Eve in the garden they were aligned they were on the same page they were in agreement they were going about God's work that he had entrusted to them with perfect harmony sin enters into the world and God declares a curse upon the work partnership between Adam and Eve now wife's desire will be contrary to her husband 
Some versions say her desire will be for her husband. What does that mean? To be in this role of leadership. And the curse is contrary here, but he shall rule over you. Not he shall gently, lovingly, wisely lead you, but he shall rule over you. So as a result of sin, this beautiful work partnership that was blessed, that had the divine touch on it, is now strained as a curse of sin. And, and all of us that have been married understand this painful reality of not being aligned with our spouse. So why is work so hard? It's because the most fundamental work partnership between husband and wife was cursed by God. And if the work partnership between husband and wife is cursed by God, in other words, it's not perfectly harmonious as God intended for it to be, but now there's strain that must be overcome. There's difficulty that must be overcome. There's misalignment that must be brought in alignment. Don't miss that. Then certainly also these, these work relationships that we experience now have a, a, a curse to them. So God cursed the work partnership between husband and wife. Secondly, we see that God cursed the ground. God cursed the ground. Look at verse 17 through 19 with me. Chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. In, in other words, before this declaration by God, the ground was not cursed. The ground grew just as God intended for it to grow. Everything that God intended for it to do, it happened seamlessly. And now God declares a curse on the ground. And he says, as the result of this curse, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. In, in other words, because the ground is now cursed, this ground that I, I called you to work, now it's going to be painful to get the ground to produce what it's been designed to produce. Verse 18, look at this. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Let me just pause there. Listen, like God is not giving like a gardening workshop here. You understand that? Like, like God is not like doing gardening one-on-one. -on -one. Here's what you can expect, expect if you plant a garden. No, God is speaking about the rhythm of the world that he created, the rhythm that the whole world is now going to experience. God is speaking about what we're now going to experience in work because of his curse on the ground. Work is good, but now it's hard because the ground is cursed. Church, do you see this? By the sweat, verse 19, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. The contrast is that work before sin was pure, sheer, blissful delight. 
as God intended it. But now because of sin, it is sweaty because the ground is cursed. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Church, do you see this? Do you understand this? Why is work so frustrating? It's because in the very beginning, what God created to be beautiful and full of order and full of goodness is now experienced by sweat and pain and frustration because the work partnership has been cursed and the ground has been cursed. Why do we think that we can flirt with sin and it have no consequences? The very first sins brought chaos into the world. All sin can be forgiven, but sin often has regretful, earthly consequences that last a lifetime. Do you see it? So God cursed the work partnership between husband and wife, and God cursed the ground. Cursed is a strong word. It's the word that the Bible gives us here. What exactly does it mean? It does not mean um, beyond repair. It, it means real, real strain, real difficulty. It, it does not mean forever polluted. It just means real Consistent strain. We see that sin is powerful and can poison work environments. So here we see that the, the whole rhythm of creation, the goodness of work has been distorted by sin, by, the, by God's curse on the ground, by God's curse on the partnership. But we see very practically that sin is powerful and can poison work environments. Where do we see this? Look back in verse 4. The very first brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain murdered Abel. Sin comes into the world, and the very first family murders one another. On, on, on some level, this has to encourage you if you have dysfunction in your family. <laughs> You're not alone. Every family experiences the ripples of sin. Sin is powerful and can poison work relationships and it poisons real relationships. And here we just see basically the very first family. I want you to notice something. I want you to see again the goodness of work. Look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And now again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep. That's what his name Abel means. And then look at, in Cain, a worker of the ground. <laughs> if you want to understand how central work is in the heart of the father, Adam and Eve named their first sons, keeper of the sheep, worker of the ground. <laughs> Even after sin came into the world. In, in, in other words, though sin complicated work, 
in those sin brought sweat to work, in those sin brought pain to work, work is still good. It's so good that Adam and Eve said, we're going to name our children Worker. <laughs> Keeper of the sheep, worker of the ground. You ever read baby book names? It's like so fun, isn't it? Like picking out a baby name. You're like, no, we experienced the curse of the marriage partnership when we try to pick out baby names. Thank you very much. A baby name. It's like so amazing, isn't it, to pick out a baby name? And Adam and Eve said, Abel, keeper of the sheep. Cain, worker of the ground. Why, why am I geeking out over these phrases this morning? It's because some of you hate your job. And I don't believe, according to the sacred scriptures, that that's what God wants for you. Some jobs are hard, and some bosses are ungodly, and they're unrealistic. And as we'll see in just a moment, work often has exploitation that comes in because of sin. And so sin is powerful and can poison work. But if you're in a job that has been poisoned by sin, you don't have to conclude this morning that work is not good. God can redeem your perspective on work. He can renew your mind to think his thoughts after him where you can actually see work as good. If you're in a dead-end job and it's driving you crazy and you're totally frustrated, your children need to know that work is good. They don't need to watch you and dread the rest of their life. They need to hear from you. They know work is good. It's sacred. It's marked with significance. It's God was a worker. Jesus was a worker. He put Adam and Eve in the garden to be a worker. Adam and Eve named their kids workers. When you see a 6 out of 10 quiet quitting, it's paramount that we recover a biblical vision of work. When you see that in the United States, 50% of workers reported feeling stressed at their jobs. 41% is being worried. 22% is sad. And 18% is being angry. It's paramount that the church recovers a biblical vision of work. Sin is powerful and can poison work environments. And we see this as Cain kills Abel. You think you have conflict at work? You're alive. <laughs> The first brothers killed one another. I'm not trying to belittle the difficulty of your work. I'm just trying to help us have perspective. I'm trying to help you understand what is the cause of you perhaps having a terrible work environment. All through the Bible, we see how sin can poison work, what God intended to be good. Greed, we see in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. Where a work environment becomes unrealistic because people are driven by greed. We see idolatry. 1 John 5, 21. Where people make their jobs to be their idol. They make it to be their God. And if you work with people who are making their job be their God, it's not going to be pleasant to work with those people. Indeed, if you make your job to be your God, you're not going to enjoy your work because your work can never be a good God. 
Only God can be a good God. If you're trying to get out of your work the peace and joy and satisfaction that only Jesus can give, you're going to hate your work. You're going to resent your work. Jealousy. That's what's going on with Cain and Abel here. But jealousy happens in the workplace. A sinful heart of jealousy and it pollutes and poisons work. Dishonesty, Proverbs 12, 22. One of the reasons why our work environments don't feel blessed by God is because we work with people that lie or we lie about our work. You can't lie about your work and expect God to bless it. You can't cut corners and expect it to have the divine blessing of God. Your coworkers can't do it and expect their work to be blessed. James chapter 5 warns us of exploitation. Some, some of us, we hate our jobs because we have a boss that exploits us. We are in a job where we are not compensated a fair wage. We're not treated with respect and honor. We're, we're only treated as a means to an end. We're not treated as the image of God, one who's created in the image of God. We're not treated with dignity and respect. And this is exploitation, which the Bible condemns. But it's a sinful reality that has crept into humanity that has polluted the goodness of work. Laziness creeps in through sinful hearts. And work is not enjoyable when you're working with lazy coworkers. I mean, doesn't that just tick you off? And if you're the lazy coworker, you're ticking your coworkers off. And laziness is a sinful attitude that works in that works itself out in poor work, not beautiful work, not good work that leads to blessing others. Gossip, it's so dangerous in the work environment. It's so dangerous. This is only a sampling of sinful realities that has crept into humanity that we live out and that we express that take what's beautiful by God, work, and poison it. The devil is a deceiver. He's an imposter, and he wants to take all of God's good gifts and poison them. You take the good gift of sexuality. It's a gift of God. God came up with sex and sexuality, and then the devil distorts it and pollutes it and poisons it by bringing about sexual abuse in all kinds of sexual sin. This, this we see in all kinds of realities. But here's the good news, is that redemption is foreshadowed in the text this morning. In the midst of God cursing the ground, in the midst of, the, of now this new dynamic in the relation, in the work partnership between husband and wife, redemption is foreshadowed. I want you to see this. Look in chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Now when the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that, he had made, that the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the tree, eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the tree of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
So when, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. What did God tell them would happen if they ate of the tree? They would die. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Did they die? <laughs> this has produced a little bit of a quandary for theologians over the years. And you've probably been taught they died spiritually. A plain reading of the text of Scripture would cause every common sense reader to believe that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, they would have dropped dead. And they didn't. Is God a liar? No. He's gracious. He's gracious. Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. They eat of it. Breath in their lungs, heart beating in their chest. God was gracious. Look at verse 20. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living in the day that you shall eat of it you shall surely die they ate of it and God was gracious yeah we know that sin entered into the world and through sin death entered into the world we know that Adam and Eve would have never died had sin not entered into the world but the plain reading of the text would have caused all of us to expect that they, they would have dropped over dead in the moment. In the, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And they did not die. And in the moment, they learned that the God who made them was a gracious God. And that birthed hope in their hearts, so much so, that Adam now names his wife <laughs> the mother of all living. Though we just did what God said would kill us, he graciously spared our lives. I'm going to name my wife the mother of all living. God's grace to Adam and Eve in the garden produced such hope in their lives that they named their sons keeper of the sheep, Worker of the ground. Listen to the hope in that. God had just declared to them the curse on how painful work would be. And yet their hope in this gracious God caused them to still name their children workers. Oh, church, do you see it? <laughs> do you see it? 
There's, there's, there's so much foreshadowing of redemption here. Adam and Eve realized that they were naked. They, had, they covered themselves with these claws. And then God provided skins of an animal to cover them. It was foreshadowing a death of the lamb would cover our sin. Right there. In the moment, listen to this, in the moment that God is holding them accountable for their sin, he provides a covering that foreshadows there will be a covering that covers our sin, that covers our shame, that covers our guilt. Hallelujah. (laughs) Have you been covered by the blood of Jesus? Have you been forgiven of your sin? Have you been declared righteous before a holy God? Turn to Jesus. He'll cover you by his blood today. He'll cover you by his blood today. Next week, what we're going to look at is how this redemption that was foreshadowed in the text, while, while the echo of God's curses could still be heard, this redemption that was foreshadowed next week, we're going to look at how Jesus Christ brings redemption to our work. Work is good and work is frustrating. And next week we're going to look at how work can be redeemed. I need it. I need work. I need work to be redeemed. Anybody else? I need to know how Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, can redeem every hard day at work. Anybody else feel that need? Well, I hope you'll join us next week because we're going to open up the sacred scriptures and we're going to say, King Jesus, teach us about work and teach us about how you redeem work. Let's pray together and ask for his help. Father, we pray in Jesus' name and by your Holy Spirit that you would help us, you would guide us as a church family, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would shape our attitude and our approach for work. Spirit of God, would you do it so that we might be a city on a hill, that we might be the salt of the earth that we might be your shining children in this world that's so dark. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing out, church. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.